First, you must realize that you have no idea before you can know the idea. We scan across all the frequencies if we want to learn anything new. Let us begin. What has physics done for me lately? Furthermore, the equation E is equal we have now acquired a fateful power to alter and to destroy nature. That's like when you're in physics and you get a dream about saying, oh, this is a physics excursion. What is it all about? The whole of human history all falls in the dust of one stroke of the nail file. You can't really get to grips with evolution unless you realize uh, what an enormous amount of time. Our own planet is only a tiny part of the vast cosmic tapestry, a starry fabric of worlds yet untold. Good morning. You're tuning to what can only be described as the best radio station on this blue dot we call Planet Earth. It's of course 4 Z. be it on your conventional wireless radio by tuning into the classic frequency 102.1 FM digital devices such as DAB or smart speaker, listening via the Community Radio Plus app or streaming us live from our sensational website at 4ZZZ.org.au. And of course, you can always listen back to us or any 4ZZZ show for that matter using the ingenious on-demand feature also found at that URL. We also have a podcast. So go to your favorite podcasting app uh, sites and Type in no idea, because the show is, of course, no idea. Spelt with a K, your weekly dose of science interlaced with all Australian music. And joining me today to speak all things science is one of my favourite science communicators. May I please introduce the master. Good morning, Gabe. Good morning. One of one of your favourite science communicators. I love that, Max. Uh, <laughs> I have did you, the the southern right whale stuff. Did you hear that? The headlines we're talking about yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, the numbers are lower. There's a lot of marine stuff going on at the moment. Mm. Our marine scientist, friendly neighbourhood marine scientist, I should say, Peter, has two stories for oh, us this week cool. because there's been two big, pretty big breakthroughs. One was that some scientists sort of understood why octopuses have octopus gardens and why yes. this is a real thing that you yeah, find in the okay. ocean. So yeah. she's going to delve into that research mm. about why all these octopuses lay eggs in the same place, and <laughs> Of course, some of the biggest news of the week was yeah. that the ice in Antarctica around an emperor penguin colony collapsed, no. uh, leaving what we think is pretty much all of the chicks dead for this breeding season. So she's no. going to get into what happened there, and, and all of this, the, all of the science and the underlying stuff around those emperor penguin that emperor penguin colony. Yeah. Um, Max, though, I've got worms on the brain. Could I think I'm not the only <laughs> one because yesterday some reports came out that an Australian woman had become the first known human. Yes. Ever yeah. to have a live worm in their brain. Yeah. That's going to be my weird science. I thought it was a snake. Is it a worm? Is it? It's not a snake. <laughs> <laughs> but I know where you got that from, and we'll get into <laughs> that. We're joined by Izzy today. Thanks for coming, Hello. Izzy. We've got Gabe in the room, and I'm Max. Hello. Who wants to kick off the weird science for this week? January 2021, Max. Yeah. A woman in southwest New South Wales gets admitted to hospital, suffering pain, diarrhea, constant dry coughing, fever, and night sweats eventually, all of those symptoms. By 2022, she was also experiencing forgetfulness and depression. From the reading I got of this, this was quite a lengthy 
medical process for this woman to have to go through of a lot different testing and lots of not knowing what the 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 cause of these problems were mm. but by that by the time in 2022 she was having this forgetfulness and depression symptoms they put it into an mri scan had yep. one of those uh, it turned up something wrong in the right frontal lobe of her brain to check out what it was they then put her under the knife uh, and the neurosurgeons found a live wriggling eight centimeter long roundworm sitting in that spot of her brain parasitologist later confirmed it was a worm that naturally lives in the stomach and esophagus of max what did you say at the top of the show snakes not a worm but a snake gotcha. that's right Weird. so she probably got it when she uh ate some native grass that she'd foraged yes just so happened that this grass probably had worm ridden snake uh oh, crap on it yeah. with the eggs of these parasites the worm in it mm -hmm. those eggs then transferred to her hatched and happened to end up in her brain <coughs> pretty incredible and unlucky series of events to happen to sure. anyone uh, <laughs> but the researchers reckon it might not it's not might not just be the first time that a human has had a live worm found in their brain it they think it's the first time any mammal has been recorded with a live worm living in their brain it's a parasite I'm assuming uh, and, and so the pretty incredible like thing just to find it's such an unlucky thing to happen to this person uh, but good news is it is a parasite that is meant for a very different host that are not humans <laughs> they're meant for those pythons so it's not a contagious thing and it is something uh, that this patient is still under monitoring for yeah. ANU in the Canberra Hospital but mm. you can prevent it very easily um, they say by washing your hands after foraging uh, if you are into foraging and wash the food very well <laughs> mm. forage if you are into foraging cool. that is their advice I do like the amount of like the last of us comments <laughs> on the daily Oz post about yep, this yeah. where it was like it's it's coming it's starting <laughs> everyone's like no <laughs> just don't eat just wash your food damn it uh, <laughs> yep is yeah. it, you got a weird science for this week or? um yeah I do actually <laughs> so um this is from Macquarie University. Bees be could become new biomonitors, oh, checking yeah. their neighbourhoods to determine how far antimicrobial um, mm. resistance, or AMRs, are spread, according to um, yeah, Macquarie University um, scientists. At least 700,000 people die each year due to uh, drug-resistant diseases, according to the World Health Organization, which estimates about 10 million people will die due to an AMR by 2050. 50. But we have tools to keep track of its spread in the environment, including um, our own little honeybees. There you go. They can be a crowdsourced environmental proxy as they interact with contaminants in soil, dust, air, water, and pollen as they forage. So this is uh, the positive spin on foraging around. Hopefully no um, python bits um, <laughs> in there. But um, Fry and Lead um, author... Professor Mark Taylor, who was the EPA Victoria chief scientist, examined 18 hives from citizen scientists, beekeepers who had hives across Greater Sydney in a mixture of land use types. She sampled eight bees from each hive to see what, what was in their digestive tracts. She looked for the genetic elements called class one interdrons. Um, which are key drivers of resistance to antibiotics. She was looking at how toxic metals such as lead um, may be absorbed or 
um, seen in that uh, bee's digestive tract. As humans have released their own bacteria into the environment, class 1 interdrons have spread into other natural systems. Um, you can also find them on every continent, even Antarctica. You can find them in very diverse spaces. The study found that more than 80% of bees sampled across all the hives were positive for one or more antimicrobial resistance targets, surprising the researchers by showing that the AMR is prevalent irrespectively of the land use context. So that's really interesting. Jay also sent me a really cool um, science piece that I was going to do last week mm. about um, scientists. This is very off topic, by the way. No. Um, um, <laughs> how scientists can use metal to f- um, absorb estrogen from the sea level, which I was uh, like, why do we need, why yeah. is estrogen in the sea? Anyway, yeah. um, this is really interesting that we're seeing things popping up. Where they shouldn't, uh, where I wouldn't expect them to be. Well, Jay's coming in after ten thirty, so he can he can. Talk We're gonna to have that. a chat about that. Yeah, exactly the um, yeah, because this was on Brisbane Line yesterday. Yeah. They were talking about the bees, and uh, didn't they work out that they only needed like seven hundred hives exactly to monitor the Greater Sydney area? Yeah, for pathogens. So yeah, yeah, tuned into the Brisbane Line story. That's what yeah. I was like. I, I want to deep have a chat about this. Um, expected to find more introns in more densely populated areas, and found they instead. That was the expectation that they would find them in more densely populated areas, except they found them distributed over extremely wide area, but in higher concentrations around water bodies such as dams and lakes. Mm. We suspect that the presence of local water bodies can collect runoff. It's a critical part of AMR contamination, Professor Fry said. Everything from the catchment drains down and then it stays in our system. While um, being able to monitor pollutants and determine where their concentrations are highest could provide an invaluable tool to understand <coughs> where to implement cleanups, the discovery of how widespread AMRs are is, provides a wake-up call for people to alter their behaviour, especially within regards to the misuse and overuse of antimicrobial products. Message yep. from this research reinforces the need to use antibiotics when needed and as directed and to dispose of them appropriately by returning unused medications to your pharmacy. There you go. In other words, the bees are dobbing us in for using antibacterial <laughs> stuff wrong. Stop putting it. You don't need it as much as we did during COVID. I think we've talked about this before, haven't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, the, yeah. We've definitely still got these behaviours wide of, of having a, a very high reliance on antibacterial gels and, uh, and people still take um, antibiotics pretty irresponsibly um, yeah. when they get prescribed it from a GP. So follow those instructions if you get uh, antibiotics and chuck them out if you don't need them. Finish your, finish your regime if you do get prescribed some. And stop using antibacterial gels and stuff when you don't need to. You just yeah. leave it for hospitals. I think Wash your hands with warm soapy water and <laughs> do the same thing. Okay. You did raise a good point, yeah, about um, sanitizer in places that aren't don't need sanitizer yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I, um, I'll still use it at like grocery stores and stuff because you're touching food and stuff like that. But do I really need it to walk into like a retail? Do I really need it to go to like a childcare or something like? Like, I don't think we need. It's over sanitized. Anyway, we need it at this radio station. Oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a reminder: throw out any <laughs> leftover medication that you do have, That's you, right. and you're not benefiting from three-year-old like antibiotics <laughs> or whatever the hell. <laughs> There's probably something growing in that as well. You'll probably yeah. get a worm from that, so throw that out. <laughs> we at Four Triple Z would like to give a huge shout out to our awesome sponsors for the epic prices they've offered up this radiothon. Thanks for supporting us to keep making radio against the machine. Five Star Cinemas. The Triffid. The Tivoli. 
The Princess Theatre. The Bright Side. And Banshee's Bar and Art Space. All my friends, AS Accounting and Big Sound. Down's Shoes, Denon, Felon's Brewing Co., Manny's Music and Sober. MBE Brisbane CBD, Netherworld, Red Octopus, Store DJ and Suitcase Records. Here's to you, the local heroes helping 4ZZZ win the battle against ones and zeros. That's right, we won the battle, Owen. Well done. You're tuning to No Idea on 4ZZZ with me, Max, Izzy, and the Master. Gabe, and we're going to hear part two of this. What do you got for us, Max? Well, <laughs> just intro yourself. We're going to talk about Dinah Beads. Have you heard of Dino Beads before? I can't deal with like, you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dino Beads. Dino Beads, yeah. Dino Engi- Beads. Yeah. Dino en- Beads. Engineers from MIT, QS ranking? Two. Two. One. Oh, boo. <laughs> have identified a new optical signature in a widely used class of magnetic beads, which could potentially be used to detect contaminants in a variety of diagnostic tests. Micro microscopic magnetic beads known as diner beads can be coated that with that is the letdown of the morning right there you've had dino beads and it's got nothing to do with dinosaurs <laughs> that's what I meant <laughs> it's spelled D-Y-N-A beads diner beads mm. oh like dynamic boo mm. like dynamic no not going with that they can be coated with antibodies that bind to target molecules. Dino beads are typically used in experiments in which they are mixed in solutions to capture molecules of interest. Dino beads are commercially available microscopic beads made from a magnetic iron core and polymer shell that can be coated with antibodies. The surface antibodies act as hooks to bind specific target molecules. When mixed with a fluid, such a vial or blood, such as a vial of blood or water, any molecules present will attach onto the dyna beads. Using a magnet, scientists can gently coax the beads to the bottom of a vial and filter them out of a solution. The researchers are investigating ways to then further separate the beads into those that are bound to a target molecule and those that are not. The MIT team found a quick way to confirm the presence of pathogens using Raymond scattering. The optical technique identifies specific molecules based on their Raymond signature or the unique way in which a molecule scatters light. The researchers found that dinobees have an unusually strong Raymond signature that can be easily detected, much like a fluorescent tag. This signature, they found, can act as a reporter. If detected, the signal can serve as a quick confirmation with less than an hour that a target pathogen is indeed present in a given sample. The team is currently working to develop a portable device for quickly detecting a range of bacterial pathogens. As a practical demonstration, the researchers mixed dino beads into vials of water contaminated with salmonella. They then magnetically isolated these beads onto microscopes slides and measured the way light scattered through the fluid when exposed to laser light. Within half a second, they quickly detected the diner beads' Raymond signature, a confirmation that bound diner beads and, by inference, salmonella were present in the fluid. The team's new technique is significantly faster than conventional methods and uses elements that could 
could be adapted into smaller, more portable forms, a goal that the researchers are currently working toward. The approach is also highly versatile. The team is particularly keen to apply the test to conditions such as sepsis, where time is of the essence and where pathogens that trigger the condition are not rapidly detected using conventional lab tests. Bang. Job done. Bang. Indeed. Cool as there hell. you go. Dynabeads. Dynabeads. Or related. <laughs> Up next, V's got a story for us on uh, why listening to 4ZZZ may interfere with the migration of birds. But Max, could you play some music before I that? I will. You're tuning to 4ZZZ and the show is No Idea, your weekly dose of science with me, Max Izzy. Jay, good morning, Jay. Good morning. And good Master to be here. Gabe. And we just heard from local band a Dopamine. Yep, got a story from B. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm doing. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice being cut off, isn't it? No. <laughs> oh. Let's go to a song. No. <laughs> <laughs> While we work it. this out between the two of us. off air. That's right. Gabe, introduce the story. I've got to go and um, get a delivery guy. Some paperwork I'll here. go get a delivery guy. Don't yeah, worry, cool, Max. Cool. I'll get back. <laughs> what have we got? got? We've got a story from V on the migration of birds and how certain radio waves, including ones that you might be listening to right now, might be interfering with those migrations. Whoops. Migratory birds are undoubtedly absolute wonders of nature. They can travel thousands of kilometres to a place they've never even been, simply by tuning into the Earth's magnetic field and using it as a compass. But what if I told you that something as simple as a toaster or hairdryer might be leading them astray? While us humans tend to use GPS to get around, or the Refidex if you're ancient like Max, bird's sense of orientation can be impacted by radio waves of certain frequencies. Turns out our feathered friends have their own funky radio preferences, with a no interference zone somewhere below 116 megahertz. So while you're listening in on the FM band, migratory birds might just be tuning in to a more cosmic frequency. This study was published just this Monday by a team led by researchers from the universities of Oldenburg and Oxford, the central question of the study was, which radio waves disrupt the magnetic sense in migratory birds? Let's start at the beginning. In 2014, this research group investigated the effects of human-made electromagnetic noise on migratory birds' ability to use the Earth's magnetic field for orientation. In that study, they looked at the electromagnetic noise, or electrosmog as it's also called, that is present in the AM radio wave band. These electrowaves are generated, for example, by household electrical appliances, like toasters or hairdryers. What they found in 2014 is that this weak electrosmog does actually impair birds' ability to use the Earth's magnetic field as a guiding compass. In 2022, the researchers published another study showing that radio waves of a frequency between 75 and 85 megahertz interfere with the magnetic compass sense of small songbirds like the Eurasian blackcap. Now, in present day, in this current 2023 study, they came back to look at electromagnetic waves at higher frequencies, and whether there's a cutoff point beyond which the waves no longer impair birds' ability to read the Earth's magnetic field. They conducted experiments with higher frequencies, ranging between like 140 and 150 megahertz, and between 235 and 245 megahertz, and found that at these high frequencies, migratory birds' sense of navigation was totally unaffected. So from here, we know that the cutoff is somewhere below 140 MHz. To narrow it down even further, the scientists ran some model calculations, which involved simulating the biophysical processes happening within the body of a migratory bird. 
They base these simulations on the quantum mechanical sensor within the eyes of migratory birds, which allows that ineffable magnetic compass sense that they have. What the researchers found through these simulations is that the threshold below which birds' magnetic compass sense is affected is around 116 megahertz. For context, 4ZZZ operates on FM radio waves. The FM broadcast band generally falls between 87 to 108 MHz range. So it's very possible that, just by broadcasting my voice to you right now, we're affecting the birds navigating the skies right above us. The good news is, however, that there are many more systems that utilize frequencies in that higher range. For instance, mobile communication networks are in the safe zone. The really exciting part of this study is that the scientists were really able to hone in on and look at that quantum mechanical sensor within the eyes of the migratory birds. The hope is that this is a good knowledge stepping stone for further research to be carried out to study how these migratory birds operate and learn all their fascinating secrets. Tune into four triple Z. <laughs> the show is no idea with me, Max. Izzy, Jay. So much bickering. And Gabe. What do you got for us, Jay? I, well, I was on my way in this morning, mm. late to the radio, and I'm listening in because I love you guys, mm-hmm. and you know, you're important to me, and then I hear Izzy just say like, oh yeah, this like estrogen story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the we'll bastardized. talk about that when Jay comes in. <laughs> the bastardized <laughs> version of that. <laughs> you're welcome. I put in I put in all the thoughts so you didn't have to. <laughs> no, okay. no, you've specifically put in no thought yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that I do. Yeah. No, it's fine. But let's do this estrogen story. First of all, and this is going to give you a hint of how prepared I am for this. Yeah. How do, you, do you guys spell estrogen with the O? Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. Gabe? Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Is I'm, that American spelling? Is it the You're allowed to spell it without How the O? E-S- yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like if you just start with the E, yeah. then it's that's the American spelling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but my mm. rule for spelling isn't necessarily like an American versus British thing. Mm. Um, it's very much a what is more fun. <laughs> and it's so much fun to put like a little yeah. extra, like estrogen, esophagus, okay. fetus. Yeah, you I'm just good. like. I'm just going to confess, I thought you meant the O as in the (laughs) S-T-R-O-G-E-N. I was like, no. And then I realized I've been spelling it. (laughs) I put the O at the front, but not in between R and G. Anyway, go ahead. That's that's beautiful. Thanks. Thank you for sharing with us and feeling that this is a safe space. And apparently Sam takes it in, prefers um, Coke. So there you go. Yeah, Coke, and Sam's a real one. <laughs> with no O. You spell it with, yeah, with the O. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Oh, 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 an oh it's a super sub. We Is got it actually? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no way. Well, super sub has no O's, so, you yeah, know, right. it's a win. That's it. <laughs> you could spell it with a double O. <laughs> play it twice. <laughs> play it, you're going to play it five. <laughs> 500 times. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you for that Thank sub. You, sub. I don't know why you would, but um, <laughs> <laughs> listening to us here now. Yeah, anyway, estrogen, estrogen. Yeah. We don't deserve it. That was, that was Steve from Russell Island, apparently. Thank you, Steve, Thank you, from, Steve from Russell, Russell Island. Island. Yes. Nice. And Max, I think you can't just play the seal noise every week and not explain it some of the time. Oh, I, I did explain it last week, but you weren't there. So mm. you miss out. I, I'm going to see and play it for the month of August, which is Radiothon month, this basically. This is the last. And you can still go into the running for the four prizes. So if you hear the 
The baby harp seal, you know you're in the running for a prize. And come on, Gabe, it's the last show bef- in August, so yeah. we might as well, it, well the yeah, crap out Today of it. and tomorrow are your last days to subscribe to yeah. 4 exactly. Z. I'm going to have to subscribe a second time so yeah. I can go in for the cinema coming. <laughs> 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 I can't go another year without it. I can't. How are we going with this issue okay. story, all right? Yes. All oh, good. <laughs> All right. Basically, uh, what scientists have created are nanoparticles of rust, which can be deployed into waterways Mm -hmm. to pull out hormone pollution, including estrogen. So estrogen enters the waterways through uh, like waste, uh, human waste or other waste, um, animal waste. And... Um, in small doses, it doesn't do a big deal, but it can screw around um, with marine ecosystems and with reproductive systems of animals. So the chemicals in the water aren't turning the friggin' frogs gay, <laughs> but they <laughs> might be turning them transgender. They're transing the fish! We might be transing the fish. So these scientists had a look at... <laughs> Oh, God. Um, at these nanoparticles of iron. Like, that, they're enormously tiny. Like, mm. ridiculously tiny. And they cover these... Um, they cover the iron oxide nanoparticles with phosphonic acid molecules. Mm-hmm. And those phosphonic, phosphonic acid molecules uh, attract the estrogen molecules in the water and make them stick basically Mm -hmm. so these tiny little particles of iron go through and they're covered in stuff that sticks to estrogen and collects it all up then they go through with a magnet essentially and sweep up all the iron this is very much like my Dynabead story isn't it (laughs) (laughs) it is like your Dynabead story although I I I have to be real Gabe was like it's such a disappointment that this is not about dinosaurs and I immediately was like you're right and stopped listening (laughs) yeah (laughs) thanks for that you're welcome Um, yeah it's that simple that's the story it's just uh, cool that we're looking at different ways of uh, getting chemical pollution out of the water and also I didn't know that hormone pollution was so much of a problem Mm -hmm. um, putting iron in the water a, a, a great thing to be doing as a follow-up though i guess you take yeah. most of it out with a magnet mm. afterwards they are they're 10 nanometers in diameter so they're pretty right. tiny but then i guess you have the problem of like if if animals like drink them Still in or iron. whatever i'm pretty sure yeah. we have to worry just getting like we have to worry about the plastic more than the i'm pretty sure the rust is going to break down gabe so yeah, Massive honkers on yeah. our fish now. Yeah. Yeah. Here first, Max says it's fine. Dump as much iron in the water as you want. Cool. The show is no idea. I just met the super sub. Oh, really? Bones. No way. What? Bones is in the studio? Yeah, yeah. I just, I was editing next door and just missed. <laughs> missed what the that. hell? <laughs> he brought in some fish fillets for us. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, it's time for the best part of the show. Loosely defined as science, yeah, you already know. Everybody listens to 4ZZZ just to hear us talking about what Butters just did. Subscriptions just keep rolling like the tires on a car. But something tells me that our science covers won't go far. But unlike an engine, I won't keep you in suspension. We're all here to hear him talk, so let's give him attention. You're not ready for when he starts rapping. Gonna hand the mic to Max and I'm not talking Van Staffen. It's lights out and away we go. We're on M. Yeah, we are. She'll be right. We're always all right. <laughs> You ready for the no rap? I am. I see. The microphone might be playing up. <laughs> there you go. 
It has that die? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there cool. we yeah. go. Oh, we, li- we I just was lived. Wondering what was going we on. lived temporarily <laughs> in a world where we couldn't hear Max. <laughs> Let's get oh, Pat to fix that. Oh, what a great world! <laughs> I'd never experienced just an overwhelming sense of relief like that. <laughs> it was peaceful. My skin was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Grew more hair. <laughs> No, Max, do do motor up. <laughs> this, this is the bullying episode. We're just bullying. If what happened on the weekend, oh. I did. That's cool. did. free. Yeah, it was no. a. It was. It had everything except a different winner. Okay, that's all I'm yep. gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a dry, wet, dry, wet race. If that makes sense. It also had a, a red flag, so the cars had to pull over for 40 minutes or so. Anyway, Max Verstappen won his home GP. Making it nine in a row, equaling Sebastian Vettel's record of nine race wins. Also, in a Red Bull. Unfortunately, Aussie Daniel Ricciardo mm-hmm. crashed out in free practice two while trying to avoid Oscar Piastri's, the other chain in the field. What are the chances? He parked his McLaren on turn three and Daniel had to try and avoid it. So he just decided to... Uh, do the honourable thing, not T-bone, Oscar, but put it into the fence. So in the process, yeah, he hurt his left hand, and uh, he's got he's had surgery on it now, and hopefully he'll be back by the seventeenth for the Singapore Grand Prix. That's a quick turnaround. Though, it is for mm. hand surgery for a car that looks <laughs> like an F one car. Yeah, and how good was it that uh, the other Red Bull driver, the Kiwi Liam Lawson, got to drive Daniel's car? And uh, the AlphaTauri, uh, he hopped in for free practice three, then he did qualifying, and then uh, was in the main game, the feature race on the Sunday. And yeah, apparently... Deserved, probably deserved an F1 stint, Yes. But also, thankfully, for someone who's replacing, in our eyes, someone who was replacing Daniel Ricciardo, he did qualify at last. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the, more Daniel. the prudent way to go rather than putting binning it. Anyway, so he'll, uh, Liam Lawson will remain in the AlphaTauri until Daniel's fit to drive again. Anyway, this weekend, Monza in Italy. Mm-hmm. They're meant to have two races in Italy, but as we know, the other one got flooded out. So this one's going to be the only race in Italy. And, of course, Ferrari have the special colours because they won Le Mans in their hypercar. Ooh. So they're going to paint it up similar, same livery as the hypercar did. And also their outfits are a bit different too. So mainly it features a lot more yellow in the outfit rather than just pure red. And I'll just say, if you've never seen an F1 race, uh, check out the highlights from last weekend's race, mm. the Dutch Grand Prix, because it's got everything. You'll probably understand why I like it so much. And also, hold off the press, virtual Daniel Ricciardo has been added to the popular game F1 23. Oh yeah! Not the best timing by EA, but we cope. We cope. It's actually a really fun game. Yeah, like yeah. we've got it at home, and my god, does it make your computer like heat up? But it is really fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh bless. Anyway, IndyCar also happened on the weekend. New Zealander Scott Dixon won in Saint Louis. Dixon showed every bit of his masterful ability to save fuel and navigate traffic to win, earning his 55th career victory. And second win this season. And finally, the Valtteri Bottas and Roman Grosjean report on Monday. 
Valtteri celebrated his 34th birthday. The honorary Australian finished 14th in his Alfa Romeo in the Dutch GP. Meanwhile, the Phoenix, Roman Grosjean, only finished 12th in St. Louis. Only two more races to go in this year's IndyCar calendar. And uh, Grosjean shows so much promise in his first season and not going so well this season. He might have to get dropped off the report. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Max is harsh. <laughs> <laughs> After two and a half years of yeah. Did you guys watch any F2 this weekend, no. by the way? No. You've yeah. got to watch. If you want yeah. some drama, yeah. watching the sprint race for F2 was mm-hmm. really chaos, interesting. Was chaos. Absolute chaos. They were in I think, Zahut. Yes. Zahut in the rain, yes. in the sprinting rain. Okay, let me t- tell you a story. Lights yeah. out. They start going along. Yeah. Literally, not even the first lap. <laughs> three car collision in the pouring rain. They're already delayed. Yeah. Pouring rain. Um, they weren't able to like even start. They rolled. They had red flag to yellow flag. They stayed in the pits. Everyone swapped out tires. Yeah. Then, as soon as it came back, everyone red flag again because the weather just got worse. Mm. And it was like they barely got. It was not even a sprint race. They couldn't even take to the full track. They barely got one lap in before the three-car collision happened and barely one more before it all got cancelled. So if you don't have a lot of time to <laughs> catch up on any F1, just watch that. I think the it's highlights like, is like five minutes yeah, yeah. because that was all we could watch. Exactly. I watched about yeah. an hour of it and yeah. it got cut early. They had to push the F like F1 pre-game like, shenanigans mm. really early because they just had to cut away from it. So, Yeah. <laughs> I love F2. It's just so chaotic. The the race itself, I think the the top four in the championship all one by one crashed out of the race as they were coming through. They're sort of the favourite crash and then the next favourite crash and the next favourite crash and the next favourite spun around and then, yeah, phenomenal. If you want glitz and glam, F1. If you want just nuts racing. No points were awarded. coherence to it in F2. Yeah, (laughs) no points were awarded. It was like, it was, it was, everyone was just marked on attendance. Nothing else. No grade was given. There was a participation award from all around. We have no idea. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. That was great because it just kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And people from the crowd were putting on like double layers of ponchos. Small children were just all wrapped up in plastic as they're all trying to watch this race. Anyway, that's your F1 report. That's right. You tune in to 4 Triple Z. And the show is No Idea with me, Max, Izzy, Mm -hmm. Jay. And Gabe. Thank you. And Jay, we got something on the Facebooks. Yeah. As you guys know or should know, you can contact us at any point in time um, through our Instagram, our Facebook by texting in when we're on air. But during the F1, we got this uh, message from Jeff who uh, sent us a little message to say, hey, no idea. Just thought we'd demonstrate the amazing powers of science and technology and let you know that Nat and I are listening in from Shimkent in Kazakhstan. How cool! How, I know. How Pretty cool. Was that? Damn. Awesome. Thanks if for listening, listening in. Uh, our global yeah. coverage continues. Wait, what's the time right there? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening in not from Kazakhstan, you can text 0420 I would not be listening in to us. 7 a.m.? Yeah. They like the show more than we do. Listen, 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 listen. We're going to hear from our friendly marine... 
neighborhood something something <laughs> scientists. You're so close, Matt. I know. You really led into that really with confidence. <laughs> I thought you had the whole thing ready to go. Only neighborhood marine scientist Peter does have a story for us, which is we do need to bring the mood down for this one because oh. it's uh, there was. We'll some set the tone for Eco Radio, basically. Oi. We will. <laughs> there was some pretty major news that came out. A few days ago of uh, an emperor penguin or a couple of emperor penguin colonies basically collapsing um, under the weight of climate change and their ice warming. So Peter has that story for us. I'm a big believer in bad news first. So I do hope this is the first of my stories you're hearing today because it is not fun. A couple of days ago, some researchers released that confirmed that thousands of emperor penguin chicks did not survive last year's breeding season. And there is no doubt that it is our fault through the climate crisis. Emperor penguins, made famous at least to me through the Happy Feet films, are the world's largest penguin named for their regal-looking yellow markings on their adult plumage. But as you would have seen in Happy Feet, the penguins don't really start out as regal. They start out as the most adorable little puffballs with these soft feathers designed to keep them warm on the ice until they can fledge into their water-resistant adult feathers. And it's really important that they do that because until they reach that age, they can't go swimming. They would simply drown or freeze to death. And that's what likely ended up happening to what's estimated to be about 7,000 chicks over last year's spring as their breeding grounds literally melted away. Emperor penguins depend on sea ice for their breeding cycles, which is pretty much as it sounds, it's just ice over the ocean instead of ice over land. And this used to be a pretty stable living situation for them. I mean, after all, Antarctica is freezing and it had plenty of sea ice, and they actually resisted other pressures like overfishing. So they would gather on the ice as a stable platform in the autumn, winter and spring months for their young to grow and develop these critical feathers. And thanks to satellite technology, we can now track these colonies from afar. And essentially, we just see these deep brown stains of their excrement on the ice, which is a little gross, but some science just is. But last spring, the satellite images showed no brown and very little white, just lots of blue as the ice melted away to nothing under four of the five colonies being studied. The pictures are actually pretty hard to look at, Not because you see anything graphic, you just see this crisp emptiness. Like off of Smiley Island, where 3,000 chicks are estimated to have died. But it's not like we can pretend to be all too shocked, because we've known for a while now that they were at substantial risk from really only one threat. Their homes melting from underneath their feet from global heating. It's been predicted that more than 90% of emperor penguin colonies will be extinct by the end of the century from lack of ice alone. But this is happening much, much faster than the researchers had predicted, with one of them describing the 2022 ice extent as so far outside what we've observed previously, not expecting so much change so rapidly. Obviously, this news has been deeply disturbing and honestly has felt like a super personal blow, but it's important to remember that we can still prevent a lot of these tragedies and maybe even work to reverse warming and bring back a lot of this lost ice. And I know it sucks to hear something that felt so preventable happen, but it's just another reminder. In the paper, yet again, researchers are urging for a cut to carbon emissions, warning that if we don't, we will very quickly drive these stunning birds into their extinction. And we really shouldn't need 
one tapping at a zoo to convince us to save them. You're listening to 4 Z. We kicked Max off the deck because he was <laughs> at quite an atrocious song type. Um, yeah. Anyway, you're listening to 4 Z. This is Eco Radio with just Jay and Izzy and, yeah, I should probably turn Gabe on as well. <laughs> Look, it's... You, you, it hasn't it's Eco Radio, is it? Pardon? Eco Radio. We've, oh, we've moved on to Eco Radio. No, no, it's still no idea. It's just it's no idea no without idea. Max's retribution for playing a song called I Don't Care after, after that devastating <laughs> story. Um, well, yeah, so that was I Don't Care by Sweat. We do care, thank you, actually. We do care, we do care a lot. lot. Um, thanks, Peter, for that story. Um, that's very interesting. Anyway, what do we do now? What have we got I've up next, what have we got? Gabe? <laughs> yeah. I've got a, a proposal for a, a new regular segment that I recommend we only run once called the Nessie Report. Okay. okay. Over Ooh. the weekend. Nessie. The L- Nessie. The Loch Ness Monster Hunters bore down on the famous 230 metre deep Loch Ness Lake. I think you call it Loch Ness Lake. Or is it just called Loch Ness? I don't remember. I think it's just Loch and Ness. And poured over live stream cameras for a whiff of the legend, any sign of Nessie. This time was different though, because they brought in thermal imaging drones, they brought in infrared cameras, and they brought in an underwater microphone, otherwise known as a hydrophone, right? They want to find Nessie or some sign of Nessie. A spokesperson for the Loch Ness Center said that not every ripple or wave is a beastie. Some of these can be explained, but there are a handful that cannot. So they have their reports out from, they went over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, whole bunch of people they had boats out they had people on live stream cameras they had people going from dawn till dusk and then they were supposed to be launching this thermal camera at night time to pick up thermal imaging uh so i have the reports on day one which was on saturday they said there were four very distinctive noises that we heard but we hadn't plugged in that recording device so on the hydrophone on saturday they say they picked up uh four noises when it was in the water, but the recording hadn't started, uh, which in their own words is typical. Yep. There you go. Evening of day one, uh, they had what they called Nessie's Revenge, which is where it pours with rain. Apparently uh-huh. that's called Nessie's Revenge. Uh, so they couldn't put the thermal drone up on the first night because <laughs> it was raining too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on at 9.18 a.m. of the second and final day, last Sunday, Two volunteers reported seeing something that they say was unexpected in the water, uh, which they <laughs> said the they'd investigate. Uh, yep, uh, that's all they've got. Yeah. They said they'd investigate it, and nothing's been said since. Okay. So was we'll it iron? Unex- <laughs> was it a worm? <laughs> was it Easter? Was it a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> so it seems Nessie still eludes us. Uh, what isn't so elusive is all the coin in the locals' pockets. Uh, the tourism industry is doing a bloody brilliant mm. job of keeping the mystery very much alive. Uh, and they said the centre said they wanted to inspire a new generation of Loch Ness enthusiasts. Mm. So I reckon they've achieved that goal at least. Uh, and it's interesting though because uh, like there's been several papers that have come out about Loch Ness and the Loch Ness monster and the legend and the history uh, in the past year or so. Mm. And one of them is speculating that a lot of the reports could be uh, large eels mm. that people are seeing. Um, I, I read one which was a really good history of the, the Loch Ness monster basically saying that um, there's a lot of discrepancy. Like uh, there's a, a lot of the reports don't contain any mention of a long neck on the, whatever the creature people see is, mm. um, but that seems to be 
the sort of dominant thing in the the whole you know story about Loch Ness is this big long necked thing that looks a bit like a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the early reports don't mention anything like that. There's reports that it's pink. There's reports that it's scaly. There's reports that it's big and small, and you know all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, the other report that came out uh, at the start of this month was that the, the levels of the lock had dropped to their lowest since the 90s, which oh. they think is partially due to, uh, par- well, partially due to a, a lot of demand for the, the fresh water in the area, but also because they've had really long dry spells, uh, some of the, the, the worst dry spells they've had in decades, which they're attributing to climate change, um, mm-hmm. at least partially. And so they're saying that um, they used to see drought very rarely. This is the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency, about once every 18 years. But by 2050, we predict you'll have very low water levels about uh, every other year. So Scotland's climate is changing yeah. and we're starting to see the impacts of that change. So I hope that at least there's some good that comes out of all the attention on this area for the Loch Ness Monster mm-hmm. and it gets a bit of attention on the impacts that the changing climate is going to have on these things and, and makes people think about, you know, just another way that their their life and the things that they they hold dear are going to change with the changing climate. But that is my little report the on Nessie the report. Loch Ness Monster. How iconic. report. Hmm. I just imagine report. imagine the X Files, um, but with that level of technology. I just think about that. I just I've been watching it. <laughs> just like, oh, we didn't turn it on though. I think that's the Nessie. That's just Nessie being like, go away, you nosy bastards. Mm. Just like, I'm gonna make brain. noises in the re- recorder. I know you don't have on. Like that <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. I reckon for Nessie though, we need the canon. The canon event is like the Scooby Doo episode okay. of Nessie, <laughs> where they they went underground and they're like. She just fooled around with them, basically. Nice. She just pushed them in different directions. That's really cool, Gabe. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you should be worried, Max, because if we if we get a robot that just sits there and laughs, you're basically obsolete. <laughs> no idea. Space news. My time to shine. <laughs> yeah, back in the back in the driver's seat. India is now the fourth country. Yeah. <gasps> to do a soft landing so on exciting. the moon. Very cool. Job done. They have a rover there now. Their historic landing site will be named, or has been named, Shiv Shakti Point. Just rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Some hacking news. You want some mm-hmm. hacking news? Yes. Norlab has reported that a cyber security incident that occurred on August 1 has prompted the lab to temporarily halt operations of its Gemini North telescope in Hawaii and Gemini... Tele- uh, South Telescope in Chile. Chile. Ooh. It's unclear exactly what the nature of the cyber attacks were or from where they originated, but Norlab points out that because the investigation is still ongoing, the organisation will be cautious about what information it shares about the intrusions. Booster 9, this is SpaceX, fully reusable rocket solution. It test fired its 33 Raptor 2 engines. All but two engines ran for the full six-second duration static burn. Two shut down at around 2.5 seconds into the test. So SpaceX still has a bit more work to do, but expect a possible test launch in next month, Mm. September. Whoa. Crew 7, I'm sorry, Izzy, but Crew 7 has arrived at the International Space Station. Boo. Which means... Expedition 69 is no more. It's now referred to as Expedition 70. Sad face on that. And finally... 
this is my favorite part of the space mm -hmm. most useless theme song and there was no reason for me to play that because ingenuity hasn't flown okay <laughs> just doing it for just me just a light like intermission I love the Space Force theme song but remember that time when his microphone stopped working <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh that was the, the, the good hour the, <laughs> the good show as we refer to it anyway it still sits at 55 flights Gabe you weren't here last week but it's done 55 flights now mm -hmm. and that is it for the Space News of this week Pretty yeah. amazing that we can finally, for once and for all, wrap up the Keeping Up With Vikram segment that we ran <laughs> yeah, right. when India first tried to land on the moon. Yeah. Their first lander called Vikram crashed it, went through many weeks of turmoil trying to get it back online, and this time have landed it with that, uh, what they call a soft landing rather than a hard mm. landing, aka crash that they had the first time. Pretty damn okay, awesome. 0420626733 is our number. Uh, Max, we're going to Yeah. You're tuning to 4 Z. The show is no idea. And it's time to sign out. We're especially proud of you if you're listening from Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, extra proud and proudness. Extra proudness. Thank you for listening to No Idea. We have been Max and... Jesus. Peter for her story and V for her story earlier in the show you can listen back to the whole thing on the fortressz.org.au website uh, as well as on the the podcast thing That's that uh, yes. is up there now so look mm -hmm. for no idea no with a k and yeah. you can find us chatting away without the music if you want to do that way if you want the music go to fortressz.org.au you can find the last few shows up there as well as some notes about what we talked about and all the music we played we'll be back on your airwaves 10 a.m next wednesday up next though is eco radio what's happening izzy we are talking to school strikers about striking um and leaving school and we are i'm going to talk about hosier's new album whether you like it or not so <laughs> um that's exciting yeah cool so yeah if you want to come chill out for another hour jump on well you don't do anything i jump on over to the next studio mm -hmm. yeah well, thank you, Max and Gabe and Jay for today. No, thank you, Izzy, no, uh, uh, Jay, uh, oh, Gabe. I'm so proud of uh, all of uh, <laughs> Thank you for a fantastic show. We've had all sorts of highs and lows. We had. I think the best was my microphone not working. That was potentially sweet, the best bit of radio we've silence, had. Yeah. Yeah, sweet silence, yeah. Sweet silence. And Ag's here. Good morning, Ag. And we'll speak to everyone next, next week. week. See ya. Later. Yeah. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. Science. science.